help. Amen. We appreciate your labors. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we want to look to the Word of God and believe God for great things this morning. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, a sense of God's life and blessing. That's what I enjoy about this time of year. You know, there are people that get all flipped out about, well, you know, we're never told to worship at Christmas time, and that's not really biblical. But we have such an incredible story uh, of the Christmas message. Amen. And I, it seems like every year it just gets richer and richer, better, deeper. I, I appreciate it more. But the sense of God's presence uh, is uh, an incredible thing. And so uh, I want to talk to you about uh, a guiding light in dark times. Uh, how many know these are dark times? Uh, but there is a light that shines in the midst of darkness that will guide us, direct us, lead us through uh, difficult times. Uh, we went to, uh, uh, we weren't here Wednesday because we, I preached in Rochester, New York. Uh, we met uh, Pastor Sullivan, and Tuesday we went to a concert, uh, uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And so the rule was that uh, to get in, you had to be vaccinated. And so we were all vaccinated, so it wasn't a problem. We went in, uh, but you could have gone too if you're not vaccinated because uh, they didn't really check. They, the rule was you don't have to wear a mask, but you have to be vaccinated. So we were there. I said I was going to show him. They don't even look. Oh, okay, yeah, go. And so, uh, because people, you know, they, they're kind of tired. <laughs> There's fatigue when it comes to all this COVID stuff. Uh, but these are dangerous times, we know. And uh, this morning, 10,412 new cases in Ontario alone of COVID. And uh, hopefully it's this new variant that's not, the symptoms aren't as bad. Uh, uh, but, you know, these are all challenging times. We wear... I encourage people to wear masks moving around. Uh, not that I'm convinced that masks really do help, because I'm not personally. That's just, uh, um, but there are a lot of people that come in, the visitors, that gives them security. They feel better about it if people are masked. Uh, and uh, so if you're moving around, we ask that you do wear a mask, not for your sake, but for the sake of others. That's how. We're called to live our Christian lives, not just for us, but for the sake of others to make sure that they're not adversely affected. And so, you know, I, I know there are people that don't come because people don't wear masks, and I'm sad for that. Uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on people, but these are dark times, difficult times, and many people uh, respond in different ways. Uh, and many people are on edge. So we're coming back from Rochester. We met with the Conrads. Haven't seen them because of the border closings and so long. I saw uh, Bill in, in Tucson at the conference, but Mary hasn't seen Barbara, and they were very glad to see each other. And, uh, and so we had, he took us out to, uh, he said this is the most famous restaurant in Niagara Falls. It was an Italian restaurant. They had old celebrities, Dean Martin, and various uh, people who had been there over the years. And uh, it's an older restaurant, but I ordered the Taste of Italy. And uh, it was loaded down with a very rich tomato sauce. And so I enjoyed the food. And, uh, but by the time we got to the border, we drove straight there to the border crossing. 
and by the time I got to the border, it was adversely affecting me, and I had no tums. So I'm there in some discomfort. And now, driving across into the U.S., it was instant, quick, no problems. You don't need to have anything, uh, no, uh, you know, no vaccine, nothing. It just, they let you through. But coming back, you know, they're a little more uptight. And so we're in a line. There are four lanes open, but the lanes aren't moving. And it just happens that we're in the one that's not moving the most. <laughs> so we're there, and I've got indigestion. And, and then we're there for over an hour, and I have to use the washroom. I mean, it's like I wasn't anticipating this. Uh, and so I'm squirming, indigestion, squirming. And I look down, and the light came on, warning light, you're out of gas. And I'm like, we're in the middle of the line. I'm like, uh, this, is, this is torment. I have to go to the bathroom. I have indigestion. Uh, we're inching up. I've got to turn the car on and off at every point. And, uh, and so I'm kind of uptight <laughs> and uh, uh, saying things that I normally wouldn't say under regular situations. Uh, and I was tempted to have some words with the attendant, at, you know, that was seen as through how slow she was. She should take lessons from the girl next door in the other line because she moves a lot quicker and all these thoughts. And then I'm telling Mary, find the nearest gas station, find the nearest gas station quickly. And so she's trying to do that. But because we're in between the U.S. coverage and Canadian coverage, it's really not... She's getting no response, uh, and, uh, and finally she gets a response, and it says this is the closest gas station, but it'll be closed by the time you get there. And uh, it's just like all of this. <laughs> uh, it probably would make a great Christmas movie somehow, but you know. uh, just the tension, the, you know, being on edge. None of this would happen if we weren't dealing with all this COVID stuff and everything like that. And so... Uh, you know, we're all having to navigate through difficult times, dark times, uh, but that's really what the Christmas message is about for all of us, is that uh, uh, there is a light, a guiding light that will lead us through the uncertainty, the difficulties, and the darkness uh, of this generation. And, and these are words that we should take to heart, that we should embrace, uh, that will help us as we move forward into a very uncertain 2022. And uh, so with that in mind, let's read Matthew chapter 2. Uh, this is the afterbirth, after Jesus was born, uh, but the story picks up, and I believe there's some things that will be relevant for you and I as we consider. Verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, uh, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Sounds like uh, our environment. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So here is the entrance of the Savior into the world. It's a dark world. As a matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And so those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. I believe that is relative for you and I because we live in a land of darkness, a time of darkness, uh, uh, but also this time of year between Christmas and New Year's, there are more suicides uh, than any other time of the year. And I can relate to that because I woke up Christmas morning empty. This was before I got saved, the year before I got saved. Uh, empty and miserable and determining, uh, you know what, I'm just going to get drunk today. And I drank that day and every day in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. New Year's Eve went to the club uh, and uh, after we had said our Happy New Year's to everyone, I remember walking out and looking up in the sky, empty, in tears, saying, God, there has to be more than this. There was complete darkness in my heart and in my mind uh, 
But I'm so glad that someone shared the gospel with me. And on January 2nd, I got saved 46 years ago. So praise God. Light came into the darkness. And that's what Christianity is about. It's light. God's light that comes into people's dark world. And there are people depressed, there are people uncertain, there are people confused, but there is a light, a guiding light uh, that will help you as you move forward into 2022. Uh, and so I think it's, it's an incredible thing that we need to hear. And listen, you and I as the church have the message of hope. Our world needs more than ever. You know, there was a survey that just came out this week that said that Canadians are attending church less and less. Uh, uh, and so uh, respondents who said they never attend church increased uh, from the pre-pandemic 30% to 67%. Uh, and so these are people who are saying, no, church is not for me. I don't need church. Amen. But you and I are the ones who have the message of hope that this world needs. Amen. And it's the church, you and I, that will bring a message uh, to this dark world of hope, of inspiration. And if ever the world needed the church, it needs it now. And you and I are called to rise to that challenge. Amen. So I want to begin by thinking with you about turbulence or troubled waters, troubled air. Uh, in 2002, we took a team of 22 to uh, South Africa, uh, and as we were on our way over there, uh, we flew to London, had a layover, and then we flew from there to Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, it was nighttime when we boarded that flight, and, and uh, everyone was uh, uh, tired by that time. Uh, and so our doctor had, when we told him we were going, he said, here, you can use these to sleep on the plane, gave us these pills. Uh, and uh, so Mary took one and she was out like a light. And I took one and it had no effect on me. And so we're flying and we got into the worst turbulence that I've ever been into. If, if you were there on that trip, you remember it. I mean, our heads were shaking. It was like, are we going to die? People are fearful. And Mary's asleep, her head's just bobbing all over the place. And, and she didn't feel any of it. We got to Johannesburg, she's good to go. She slept, had a good night's sleep. But, uh, uh, you know, I, and I want to use that because Mary in that turbulence is a picture of how God wants us to be at rest, at peace, even in turbulent times. And I think we see that in Jesus. Uh, here he is, he's born into a world of trouble. Job said in Job 5, 7, yet man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. You know, it's man's life. Listen, you're not going to live life without having trouble. It will come and visit you. And I don't think anyone is that more true of than the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born to a world of trouble. Now, if we read before, we read about the shepherds, they're there, and the angels come, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men, the shepherds are there, and they're worshiping, and we have this serene, perfect picture of Jesus coming, amen. But just a few days later, it's not that way at all, and look at verse 3 in our text where it says uh, that when, when the wise men came uh, and uh, said that we've 
saw the star of him that's born to be king of the Jews, uh, this is what it says, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So, you know, here is Christ the Savior born to the world, but born to a world of trouble because Herod is troubled. And, uh, you know, I think there are many people that are troubled. Princeton Parker said this, Many people today are mentally and spiritually bound by insecurity. Insecurity handicaps the mind by coming a filter that all thoughts pass through. This makes it so that your vision is blurred. So here is the answer to man's sin. But Herod, because he is a troubled individual, this isn't a peaceful thought for him. And so uh, here he is, he's, he's an insecure man. Now, this is Herod the Great. You can go to Israel today, and you can see these great edifices, uh, Caesarea, the wonderful port city that is there. You can go to Masada, that great uh, uh, defensive fortress. Uh, you can go to Herodian, the city he made as a getaway, as a, a vacation spot. Uh, and all of these things, the temple was one of the great wonders of the world. He really was a great man, but even great men sometimes are ruled by insecurity. And he was one of those. And we know that he had one of his wives and two of his sons killed because he was threatened by them. Sadly, when people live in insecurity and fear and are threatened, they trouble people. They bring trouble to their world. And so the scripture said, when Herod heard that Jesus was coming, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So he was a source of trouble. Insecure, threatened people will always disturb peace. He's a man ruled by his insecurity. And it's an irony because in this story, he's so threatened that this little baby, Jesus, is going to come and take his kingdom away. You know, Jesus had no interest in taking the kingdom, the political power. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom. And had Herod cooperated and, and stuck around long enough to witness Jesus in his power, he could have benefited. He could have received it. It would have been a blessing to him. But he's threatened because he's a man filled with insecurity. You know, insecurity causes people to be so paranoid that they die from undue worry or stress and fear. And it computes out into all of their life, arthritis, heart problems. God wants us, the whole thing that Jesus came for was to bring peace to a troubled world. Now I think about Herod, how he's ruled by his insecurity, and then we think about Jesus in contrast. Now Jesus is getting ready to go to his death, and listen to what it says in John 13, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded 
And what an incredible thing. Here is Jesus. His days are numbered. He, know his, he knows he's going to experience this cruel death. But he knows that God is sovereign in control. And he's at peace. He's able to serve. He's able to meet people's needs, even in dark and difficult times. You know, if you have a sense of God's peace, the fear of death is not something that dominates in your mind. The fear of people, man, what they can do, what they don't do, how you're perceived, isn't the determination of how you live. So many people overreact. I think that's what's happening with COVID. You know, it's like people, if, if all you do is watch CNN or watch the news, you're going to live your life in fear. Amen. You missed a good place to say amen. <laughs> Overreaction. You know, here's Herod, macho man. You know, no one's going to threaten me. Machoism, that it's all stems from insecurity. And it's God's purpose that we have peace in uncertainty and trouble. So I want to think with you secondly about assurance. Because Christ came to give us assurance of our place in God's purpose and his love for us. Isaiah 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which Matthew tells us is being interpreted God with us. Jesus came to be God with us so that God could visit man and could be with man. And that's an incredible reality that we can live with the sense that I'm not alone, that no matter what's happening in the world, be it COVID, be it crime, be it in certain economic times, God's with me. I'll make it through. So Isaiah 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed by her, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, here is this trouble-filled land, but listen, this is the land that in our text Jesus was directed to. And then it says this in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So you and I that live in the shadow of sickness, disease, economic uncertainty. Amen. There's a light that has shined. And we can go through whatever life might bring full of peace and confidence. Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. You're going to have trouble in the world. That's what he's saying. Problems will arise. But listen, in me you can have peace. John 14, 27, when I was in Jerusalem, had a heart attack. I was not sure if I was going to live or die. 
and they're wheeling me into surgery, and I have no idea. I'd watch my dad die in a hospital of a heart attack. And so that was the reality of my life growing up. Whenever I would go into a hospital, I would start to feel faint. And I think it was just this psychological thing that, you know, bad things happen in hospitals. So I'm there. They're speaking languages I don't understand. I'm not really sure exactly what is happening, how bad it is. But in the midst of that, God spoke these words, John 14, 27, to me, that gave me a peace that was incredible. You would have to experience to know it. But Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. He spoke that to those disciples knowing he was going to the cross, knowing that it was a hostile world, knowing that they were going to be aimed at and targeted and everything that they knew, their world was turned upside down. But he gives them this promise of peace. He said, it's going to be fine. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you know yourselves that you're appointed to this. Amen. Trials, troubles, problems, we're appointed to it. We're going to go through it. He said, but don't be shaken. Don't be moved off of center. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, to those same people, he says, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. How many know the words haven't changed just because COVID's here? 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Always, in every way, the Lord be with you all. See, that's the message of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God's going to journey with us. If you're not a Christian, Christianity is not about observing religious uh, uh, rituals. It's not about uh, following a few commandments. It's about having Christ in your heart, the presence of God in your life. It's a relationship. And in that relationship, God is guiding and directing and leading and helping us to navigate through whatever life might bring. 1 Peter 1.20 says about Jesus, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You know, God had a plan. It started before there ever was a world. He could look through the corridor of time. He could see what life would present. He would see the problems man would get through. But he had an answer and that answer was Jesus Christ, amen, appointed in these last times for you and for me. Galatians 4.4 4 says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. At the right time, God sent his son at the perfect time. Do you know that God sees us through right on time? at the perfect time he'll help us just in the nick of time just when we need him he'll be there for us i want to read psalm 27 
You know, there's some psalms that we all need to lay claim to. One of those we read last week was Psalm 91. This one is the psalm of David. David was threatened. He was assaulted. He went through many things. Uh, but he gives us the secret that enabled him to survive and thrive in difficult days. Uh, here's what he says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He said, I'm going to be in church no matter what comes. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his secret pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth paths because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witness, witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, I think it's an important thing that we take time at the end of the year to wait on God, to seek his will, his direction, his guidance as we move into the new year. A week from tomorrow, we'll have a three-day fast. We'll be joining with all the churches of our fellowship and seeking God for his will, his way. And with that in mind, I want to conclude with the thought about guidance. Because this story that we have before us is all about how God guides people's lives. We have the wise men from the east in verse 2. It mentions how that uh, they saw his star. Now, how would they have known that was the star of the Messiah? Well, these would have been the ones who would have hang, hung on to the promises that were given to them. When Daniel and the Jews were carried away into the east uh, uh, back 500 years ago, they gave a message to these people that there is a Messiah is coming. And uh, these men kept their eyes trained on heaven, knowing that God's will was going to come, and they see the stars start to line up. And these people that are not even the people of God, 
but they have an eye for the heavens. They begin to see that and realize God is doing something, and he directs them supernaturally to the very place where Jesus was. Amen. We're talking about divine direction. You know, for those who have their eyes trained to heaven, he does guide. If our eyes are just on the earth, on the world, on what's happening around us, on the problems, on the trouble, we're going to get caught up in all of it and miss God's guidance to our life. But probably more than that even is the direction we see in our text. And there are four places where it says God guides through dreams. Verse 12, the wise men are warned through a dream. Don't go back to Herod. And they went another way. Verse 13, Joseph is warned. Herod is seeking the life of Jesus. Go to Egypt. He never would have thought of going to Egypt, but God guided him to Egypt. And then in verse 19, while in Egypt, in a dream, God communicates to him, Herod is dead. You can make your way back to the promised land. They make their way back. But as they come in, Joseph hears that Herod's son, Archelaus, is reigning. And in a dream, verse 22, God speaks to him and tells him, I want you to go into the region of Galilee. Now, what is so interesting about all of that was that hundreds of years before, it was told that Jesus would find his homeland in Nazareth in Galilee. And through all of the trouble, the uncircumcision, or un <laughs> all of the trouble, the problems that were happening, God sovereignly guided Jesus exactly to where he needed to be. That's our hope and promise. You know, even when things are amiss and we don't understand what's happening around us, there's trouble all around. If God is guiding us, it's going to take us exactly to where we need to be in life. Amen. God guides us and directs us and helps us. There is a supernatural dimension. You know, I can tell you that in 46 years of salvation and over 40 years of ministry, there have been many times when trouble arose. Various situations, financial sicknesses, there have been uh, disturbances in the church, uh, uh, church splits, all of that. But I have to say then all of that, God has always been faithful to guide me and direct me in the midst of all of that. He gives words of knowledge so that when things come, I'm not, I'm not disturbed. I'm like, okay, God, you've given me a promise. You're going to get us through this. He's spoken to me through people that come and said, I've been praying, I just feel this word is for you, and how timely the word was. How to respond in life. You know, God guides supernaturally. And I do believe, as the Bible says, that we need to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. We need to be seeking God, that we need to create an attitude of heart, an atmosphere in our lives where God is directing us and helping us uh, and guiding us through life. So with all of that in mind, as we look to 2022, as we look to these difficult days, COVID, uh, is there going to be a lockdown? 
You know, I don't know. There's uncertainty, but I can tell you this, that God knows. And as long as he's leading us, we're going to come to the point that we were meant to be. And it's going to serve the purpose of God for every one of our lives. And we can have peace and confidence and joy. Amen. We can have guidance in a world of darkness. Let's bow our heads together as we pause, as we take a moment. We allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. I'm so glad that in these difficult times where we open the newspaper and we hear all the negativity and all the bad things and the crime and the various things that are all around us, that we can come to God and to his word and we can find peace, we can find hope, we can find help. Perhaps you're here today, you're not saved. Amen. You know, Jesus doesn't ask us to become Christians. He doesn't ask us to follow rules and regulations. The Bible says he stands at the door of our heart and knocks and asks that we would let him into our lives to be our Lord, to be our Savior. It's something very personal. When I got saved, I didn't get a rule book. What I got was a savior in my heart, someone who changed me from the inside out, who was able to lead and direct. And if you don't know Jesus in that way, he wants to be real to you. That's the whole Christmas message, God with us, Emmanuel. Is he with you? Is he in your heart? Amen. He can be. But that's a choice. That's a decision that we have to make. He's already done everything. He even died on the cross to pay the price for all our sins, the bad, the evil, the wrong. It's all under the blood. All we have to do is turn from that sin and turn to him. Open our hearts. Can we pray for you? You're here this morning. You're not a Christian. You're not serving God. You're, if you were to die, you have no peace. That heaven would be your home. I'm telling you that God can make himself very real to you. One time I was approached by a man. He was a brilliant man. And he had questions about how can I know this is true? And, and I said, you know, Clark, I can never answer all your questions, but there is one who can. Ask him. Open your heart. Open your life. Invite him in. And he did. And he got powerfully saved. And you might have uncertainties, questions. Don't let man answer that for you. Let God himself become real into your life. Can we pray for you? You're here, you're not saved. Slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I have to acknowledge I'm not where I need to be with God. I want to get saved. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that heaven is my home. Amen. We would count it a joy to include you in this prayer. Slip up your hand. Say, that's me. God's dealing with me. 
that tugging on your heart is the Holy Spirit, is God himself. Amen. Can we pray for you? Just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I need prayer today. I need God. I, I want God to touch me before I leave this morning. I want to be a different person. Or maybe at one time you served the Lord, but with all that has happened in the world, in life, you were pulled away. You're no longer where you need to be with God in your life. Amen. What a great time to reconnect, to surrender, to get back on track with Jesus. Can we pray for you? Slip up your hand quickly and write back down. Can we pray for you? God's dealing with you quickly. Just up and write back down. You're listening online. Jesus loves you. He wants to help you. He's here for you. Amen. We're going to stand, and we, we want to open the altars. I want to encourage people to come. You know, this would be a great week to just call on the Lord, to get a sense of God's peace. Amen. He can guide us through. He can direct us. He wants to. He, he's committed himself to you. Amen. These are times to lay hold of that, to be secure in God's love for us individually. Let's stand together. Let's worship. Let's give God praise. Find a place to pray. Let him God make real to you what he has spoke to you this morning.
Come on, sing it out. He is high. He is high and exalted and worthy of praise. With the hearts we will love and adore. He is high. He is high and exalted and worthy of praise. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is, is high. He is high and exalted and worthy of praise. Oh, sing it out, church. Hallelujah, Lord, we give you glory. Come on, let's worship him this morning. Father, we give you glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you.